This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, March the 17th. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, Horse World. St. Patty's Day, everybody. It's St. Patty's Day. It is. It makes you want to get up and do a little jig. You know, I wonder how much of the world has forgotten it's St. Patty's Day today. <laughs> be yeah, honest. How many of you are wearing green? Hurry up. Wear green. There might still be somebody out there that wants to get close enough to pinch you. <laughs> you know, I didn't remember it was St. Patty's Day until you brought it up this morning. It's just the oh. days are flowing together. and It's like, I don't... Uh, there's going to be a lot of green beer sitting in storage houses right now, I think. And corned beef and cabbage, too, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I never liked corned beef. Are you a corned beef and cabbage person? You know, I don't mind it once a year. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like when they eat pork and sauerkraut. Jennifer eats that on New Year's Day, and oh, the whole house stinks for a week. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here. Yes, we are here. And Horses in the Morning is still here. And Christy is still here. Everybody's still here. Um, Christy, your let's start with your voice. It sounds terrible. What's going on? You don't have sexy. the plague, do you? Yes, I don't have any kind of crud. I just have this sinus thing going on, and I've had it for months. But of course, now I go out in public, and people listen to me, and they instantly walk away from me. So it's kind of been entertaining. I have a definite personal bubble right now that has expanded by about ten feet, unbeknownst to me. God, you better not get this. You better stay. You better quarantine because between this and the other thing. Jeez. I know it's kind of silly, but it's all right. I just can't sing right now, but that's all right. Wow, I wonder. It's so, and the, the, you had it looked at, and it's just not a lot. Oh, yeah, it's do. just a sinus thing. It's just, yeah, it is oh. what it is. So, you know, it's called a humidifier in the room because I live in dry Colorado. It's called mm. that kind of stuff. So, in we're winter. getting it fixed. Yeah. Slow but sure. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with that. Uh, if you needed one more thing to worry about right now, so let's let's talk a little bit. Where we're not, we're going to be talking today. Well, tell us what we're doing on the show today. Yes, our subject for today is working equitation, kind of a relatively new sport, actually. And what is it, what you need to know, and how you can get involved. And this is going to be for both your students and also for yourselves. So it should be a really good show. Good, terrific. And because you get listeners that don't tune in every day to Horses in the Morning here on the special CHA episode, I wanted to mention that uh, we're doing a lot of coronavirus coverage. We're just not doing it on Horses in the Morning. We're letting Horses in the Morning be everybody's reprieve, uh, their safe space to come and, and think about something else for, for an hour and a half every day. So that's what we're doing. But we are, I did want to, because I do think it's important, especially for your people out there who are running, most of them are running barns or doing lesson programs of some sort. 
Uh, we are providing a lot of coverage. If you go to Horses in the Morning Facebook page, pinned to the top is a video that I did with Dr. Jimenez of uh, Technical Large Animal Rescue. And she and I did a thing, uh, a whole whole hour on what you should do as a barn owner, what kind of things you should put in place. If you scroll down through the Horses in the Morning page, there's many posts in there about that. Today, we just did a post about uh, keeping an eye on on your friends and your relatives and what's going to happen next with the economy, uh, you know, tanking and and horses not being fed and how to feed your horses when, you know, horses do survive without a lot of grain. You you don't have to feed them grain. Uh, And we talk about that in the article. So please, Please share whatever there. We're trying to do a post every morning. Some of them are my wanderings and others are very educational. And then in the evening, most days when I when I don't run out of steam, um, we're, we're doing Facebook Lives. Last night, by the way, is a must listen. I had Dr. Gray on who, it, who used to work in the Army as an infectious disease preparedness officer. Um. Wow. And he is a doctor, uh, and he dispelled a lot of the rumors going around now. The number one one is this is not worse than the flu. Uh, he pretty much puts that one to bed. So um, you must listen to it. It was very. It's been shared everywhere now, and uh, you know we're going to keep the horse world. We're kind of taking the lead, I think, in keeping the horse world informed and what's going on, and doing the best we can with the small staff we have here. But horses in the morning Facebook page is where you want to go to see all of that information, uh, and please share it. It's important now that we all work together as horse people. It's going to be more important as the months go on. And Christy, that's something that you and I probably should talk about. In coordination with the CHA to put some things together um, uh, and just, you know, try and get the word out and, and, and help people know how to deal with this in their barns and with their programs and just financially and everything going forward. So you and I should talk about that and work more closely together on getting the message out. We can for sure. Yeah, we do a monthly e-blast, so we can definitely put links in there to stuff for people. And yes, we can certainly help spread the word. And thank you so much for taking the lead on this, because somebody needs to. It's tiring um, and kind of depressing a little bit to read everything that's out there. But you know what? We, we're we, More than ever in history, we're going to have to come together as a community. And I mean as a community in whole, but I also mean as a horse community. Uh, you know, we may disagree on a lot of things in the horse world. One of the mission, the, the mission statement when I started the Horse Radio Network 12 years ago, a lot of people don't know this, is uniting the horse world one show at a time. And yep. we're going to have to do that in a very short period of time here. And I actually kind of think, I'm going to pat myself on the back, I think the Horse Radio Network has done that a bit. Because we have brought different people from different worlds together. Uh, this show has done that. I mean probably more than any other podcast. Uh, But we're definitely all going to need to do that. We're going to have to put our petty differences aside. And, you know, just, you know, survival is going to be a thing we have to think about here economically. And we're all going to have to work together to make that happen. So um, my lecture is done for the day. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So now I want to know, Glenn, are you wearing green? I'm... You know, I forgot till you said, and I didn't have time to run out and change. And I have green stuff. And I, I am forgot. pinching you through the airwaves. Pinch, pinch. <laughs> Do you have any beer in the house? You know, yes, I have a husband who likes it very much. So oh, okay. yes, that, that we have. <laughs> you stocked up. He made sure to buy about 12 yes. cases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we, we, we got the kegerator. We're totally set. Oh, you have the kegerator. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you got to buy in bulk. Like when you have a lot of horses, you need a grain silo. When you have a husband that likes a lot of beer, you got to have the kegerator. Does he make his own? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. All those things. Yes. Wow. I did not know this. Yes. So an electrician, wait a minute, an electrician that really likes beer out there working. He doesn't drink before work, right? Please don't. Never. Okay, good, good. Never. And he also used to be a military-trained respiratory therapist. Oh, so he, so has, he's he knows about useful. this. He yeah. does know very much about this. That's yeah. why he knows that I don't have the cred. He's like, you don't have the cred. You're fine. And then um, he also used to be an EMT, and he's also a certified welder. So he's many things. Well, let's you know give a shout out to the doctors and EMTs right now too. God, they have a thankless job coming. Forward. There's a lot going on. <clears throat> yeah, so shout out to them. But I didn't know this beer fetish. Yes. Yeah. Well, do you even like beer? Oh, I'll have one occasionally. <laughs> so this is definitely his thing. Yes. <laughs> We're not sharing that hobby. <laughs> no, but he has many friends, so it's fine. <laughs> they might be coming over more regularly here as they start to run out of beer. They might be. They might be. <laughs> I predict that's going to be the biggest problem through all of this, by the way, is uh, when people start running out of alcohol in the house. That's going to be the biggest problem. Right? That's, that's where I think we're going to see issues. Well, especially if the children stay home too long. Uh, yeah, you got yours home, right? Yeah, but they're older. They're actually being entrepreneurs. They're going around to the neighbors and working. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, they're making some money on their long spring break. Well, there you go. Good. Good for them. Good for them. So uh, our first guest is going to come up in a couple of minutes, uh, but I want... One, I wanted to talk to you first about uh, what you guys are doing in the CHA. Obviously... Your barns out there, thousands of your members run programs that are getting canceled now. Your certifications, a lot of them are, are biting the dust and probably almost all of them by the weekend. So what are you guys doing to help everybody? Because this is a time when we can all take time to learn more. We can, we're going to have time to educate ourselves to be better horsemen and educators and teachers when we come out of all of this at the end, right? Uh, so... We have that time to be constructive right now. So what's the CHA doing to help with that? I would agree. So, yeah, we've been having, you know, our certifications. Some are canceling, some are postponing. Um, obviously, we're doing all kinds of, you know, money back and things like that for folks. But in the meantime, you know, we are the largest educators of anyone that teaches riding in the country. So we've got a really vast amount of um, education on our website for free. Um, just go to cha.horse and go to our YouTube channel and there's um, over 100 videos on there by now that have everything in it that you can certainly watch. Some of them are 15 minutes long. Some of them are just two to five minutes, all kinds of different topics. So go check those out. And then we're also offering a special on our hour and a half long to two hour long webinars. They're normally $40 and they're going to be on sale for 25 and then, um, so that's another opportunity. And then for CHA members, they're as low as $10. So we're just trying to, you know, get the people to understand that, yes, during this time, you know, go to your barn, be with your horse, be in your backyard with your horse. But you can also definitely don't have to go to an event to be educated right now. You can be educated on your own computer. There you go. And, and are those run at certain times or are those watch when you can? Or what, what's the story? Yeah, you just pay for the webinar. We send you the link and it's yours to use indefinitely. You can watch it once. You can watch it 20 times. You can do whatever you want to do with it. On demand. Correct. On demand. And if people are looking at setting, you know, it's also a good time uh, to look at if you're if you have a barn and you have not done any any programs like this, it's a good time to look at the CHA and see what you can start to set up for the future, right? 
Yeah, well, we have a big streaming video service, too, I wanted to promote and say, you know, we have videos on there um, that you can also look at. The streaming service is a great way to watch our full two-hour-long videos that we produce at our international conference every year. So check that out. It's all on our website. And then also, um, for those of you that have thought about maybe getting site accredited for insurance discounts, now is a great time to prepare that binder. The binder takes a while. It's all your paperwork of all your different kinds of incident reports you use, your um, agricultural status your county laws, things like that. And that binder normally takes a while. Well, now that you have maybe some more time on your hands, crank it out, get it done. The other idea too, I'm going to be writing about this tomorrow, especially for people doing lessons, uh, for le- instructors, is now's a good time. I know a lot of them are closing their barns and as people are exposed, you're going to have to, right? So um, with more and more of that happening, but yet people are still, the ones that have their horses at home are still riding. You can videotape your your riding and send it to your instructor. So as instructors, you could offer video lessons um, where you give they send you the video, you give your feedback. Maybe you're not charging a full rate for that. You're charging partial, but they still feel like they're getting some instruction, especially if this goes on for eight weeks. Um, they still feel like you're getting some instruction. You're still making a little bit of income, and it, it's something that can be done with a phone. You know, you just prop the phone up and and point it toward the arena. It doesn't have to be fancy. But I know uh, that's an idea that I heard yesterday that I think is a terrific idea for instructors. And a lot of our members already do that. So now those that don't do it, take advantage. And then when you're done with this, you'll have an opportunity to make some money on the side, which is a good idea too. Yep. There you go. Well, we're going to switch now to working equitation. Do you want to give a brief uh, Reader's Digest version of what that is before we call our first guest? Yeah, so Working Equitation, and we're going to have actually one of the founders of uh, We United, which is Working Equitation United, on today to explain a little bit. We're also going to have um, an instructor who's teaching it quite a bit, and we're also going to have a judge. So we're getting kind of the um, auspice of all three kind of views of this. And it's done multi-breed, multi-discipline, done, um, they're called trials, there's a bunch of different levels, there's obstacles in an arena, as well as kind of a non-obstacle portion. So it's a very diverse type of discipline that's really taking over by storm. And so we just thought we'd share it with you all and just kind of see what exactly it is and how you can implement it into your own programs or how you can use it yourself. All right, let's uh, give our first guest a call. So tell well, I'm calling her. You can tell us who she is. I will. So our first guest today is Trisha Kiefer-Reed. She lives in Wolf Creek, Montana. She's a CHA master instructor for us and a certifier. She also happens to be our Montana state representative. Her lifelong passion for horses and their people keeps her humble, driven, and inspired. Good morning. This is Trisha. Hi, Trisha. Christy Landwehr here and Glenn from Horses in the Morning. How are you? I'm doing just great. How are you guys? We're doing fine. Thank you so much for being on the show. Pardon my voice. It's where I'm at right now, but we will get through it. I'm not too far behind you. I was just uh, singing the do, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, and my dogs are following me around with their heads cocked. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Trisha, is that your hand-washing song? Is that your hand-washing song? Yes. Isn't it? Um, it really should be adopted for all of us at this point. I think it should be mandatory, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's better than happy birthday, because that's just kind of weird when you're in the public bathroom singing happy birthday, you know? But It is. Yeah. It is. Everybody can sing along to Do Re Mi. I mean, that, you know, that's one that's good. I like that one, actually. 
I never said it was pretty. Okay, that's the point. I just said it happened. Didn't have to be <laughs> so we'll good. My voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Glenn, you might be the only person that has a clear voice today. I am this apparently, and I've been doing a, I've been doing a lot of talking here with all these shows we've been doing. So, what? You're in Montana, right? Do you guys still have snow up there? Or are you still buried? Um. Yes. Yes. We had a little taste of uh, what do they call it? False spring last week and it was just awesome i remembered what it felt like to be outside and be comfortable and then we just got slammed with an arctic blast uh, this weekend so yeah there's drifts that are taller than i am i'm five six and uh, everybody's bundled back Jeez. up and eventually eventually it'll melt off <laughs> i you know i've been in florida now for eight years i can't even imagine it anymore you know we used to live up in the northeast so i know about drifts that high but you get removed from it, and you can't even think about it anymore. It's just weird. Trisha, are you funny? talking yeah, we do. directly into your phone, not on a Bluetooth or a speakerphone? I am on a headset. Can, am, am I not coming in Yeah, can well? we tr- try it without the headset and see if it's better? Sure, sure. Sometimes it's better, and sometimes it's not, but it, it's a little hollow. How's that? Is that better? I think that's better, yep. Uh yeah, so okay, it, that, you yeah. do forget when you live away from snow what it's really like to deal with that on an everyday basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. And um, I, I would like to forget. It's <laughs> 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 just one of those things where I do appreciate the ruggedness of where we live. Um, so much natural beauty. I am about 35, 40 miles north of Helena, oh. Montana. You're one then, of the most beautiful um, places on earth. Right there. It is. It is. Inc- and that we keep telling ourselves that, especially this time of year. Oh, look at how pretty it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a trade-off. We, we can't see a neighbor in any direction. That's by choice. Our ranch is located in a way that we have a lot of, um, we have great access to it, but we also have a lot of privacy and solitude. So, there's so a social, distancing, sort of social distancing is not a problem for you. No, not at all. People are talking about how hard it is to work from home, and I'm I'm nodding along with them. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. That's rough. So, yeah, other than the toilet paper scare, which I think we're okay, um, I think we'll be all right. We just have to wait out this craziness. So it'll be good. And then with our mandatory singing, Glenn, everybody will be set. That's right. Everybody be happy, or not in my case. But All right, let's talk equitation. So, Tricia, go ahead and start just with your kind of horse background in general, and then we'll launch into our topic for today. Sure. Cool. (laughs) Not at all atypical. Uh, Crazy horse girl uh, was running the ranch horses around, jumping them over everything. Uh, Family said, huh, that's interesting. Maybe we should get her some lessons. That then spiraled into jumping lessons, which spurned my love affair with eventing in the horse uh, sports. And then learned about dressage as a foundation for training. And along the way, because I was in the Western horse world, as far as real ranch horses, uh, started to pay attention to finer horsemanship, the vaquero way of riding. And so very blessed as a youngster to come up with influencers and education in both disciplines. And I did your typical muck stalls for anybody, catch ride here, was apprenticed for several people, did whatever I could to continue my learning and my experience and my exposure. And as I started to go into my teens, I wanted to focus on university studies. And so I chose um, Colorado State University for a degree in equine science. And I also um, took a lot of psychology because I realized 
along the way that the horses did not write the checks, the people did. <laughs> so I wanted to be able to understand uh, what made people tick, including myself. And as another way of being able to communicate about horses and the concepts that we were trying to do and did that, loved it along the way, got certified with different organizations, including coming across CHA in 1998. And what I loved about that is that it was something that focused on both disciplines, which was really up my alley. And since then, um, I have just been teaching professionally. I'm a instructor, coach, trainer, and have had a love affair with multiple disciplines over the years, which then brought me to working equitation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so tell us how you came across that, what it is, when it started, and how exactly you got involved. Perfect. Actually, one of my students, probably about eight years ago, kept pulling it up on her phone on YouTube. And she said, look at this. Isn't this cool? And if anyone out there in the world were to do a search on working equitation, one of the top writers in the world then and now is a gentleman um, from Portugal named Pedro Torres. And so most of the things that would pop up as far as video access would be him uh, on pick a horse, multiple horses, doing what they call the speed round. And I'll talk about that in a second. And it's dynamic and the crowd is cheering and the horse is going and it's just amazing horsemanship. And I thought, oh, that's neat. Don't know how to get a hold of that stuff in the States. And I didn't like the name. Working equitation. I kind of curled up my lip. And I thought it reminded me of being on a rail class at the fair, like a group ride of equitation of my mom standing on the rail going, sit up tall, smile. <laughs> so yes. I, I, I kind of stepped away from it um, mentally other than it was visually attractive to me. I, had, I didn't really pursue it. And, and uh, I give her credit all the time because she kept saying, no, seriously, I think you'd like this, you know? So um, I, I kind of let it roll around in my head for a couple of years. And then probably about six years ago, I started to get more serious about discovering what it really was. And it had come to the States, oh, I want to say, you know, about that time, maybe a few years before that. And I sort of bombled around a little bit trying to find a fit. And I did find an avenue that made sense for me. So that's probably going on four or five years ago. And I haven't looked back since. And the appeal to me is that I found a sport that comprised of the elements that I hold really dear to my heart as far as um, horsemanship. So it, what it is, it, it came, let me back up. It came from the Southern European countries um, quite a while ago. I mean, like I want to say 35 years ago. So this is new to us in the States, but not new to them. And we're looking at countries, Portugal, Spain, France, Italy, kind of in that area that wanted to bring together something that would spark more interest and participation and continue to celebrate horse cultures. And they wanted something that each nation could be able to say, this is our horse culture. And how do we continue to promote interest in horses, have something that's very spectator um, dynamic and will draw people and will promote our cultures and good horsemanship. And so they kind of put their heads together and I'm sure it was an interesting process, but through that cooperation and brainstorming was born what we now look at as working equitation. 
And so for me, as I saw these horses, I'm like, wait a minute, let's peel that back a little bit more. Each competition is comprised of technically there are four elements. There is a dressage trial, they call that. And so all of the riders in each level agree to ride a particular test, very similar to what we would see in a reigning competition or a classical dressage show. So everybody gets to do a dressage phase. Then they do what's called EOH, which stands for ease of handling. So if you were to imagine a nice big arena with set obstacles similar to a jump course, everyone memorizes a particular course through these obstacles, but the ease of handling is those obstacles done with finesse. So it's kind of like a dressage test peppered in with these different questions for the horse. Might come up to a rope gate. How do we navigate that? They might need to do a pattern around some barrels. How do we do that? Go over a bridge and so on and so forth. And so that is done with a lot of eloquence, okay? All the transitions are looked at by the judge, how calm the horse is moving from one thing to the other, and so on and so forth. So that's the ease of handling. That's a standalone phase in the sport. And then there is speed round. So we have similar set of obstacles. And this time, of course, it's a memorized course. This time, it's about you and the clock. So kind of like a jump off in the jumper world. And um, it's always protecting the horse. Everything is about good horsemanship. So you don't go out there and, you know, just go pell-mell. It's about riding well, but it's about your strategy. How quickly can you get from one obstacle to the other? And whoever gets the fastest time then would win that standalone phase. And then traditionally there are four phases, the fourth being cattle. And we are working to get more and more cattle phases available at the shows. It's just the cattle handling, you know, having to deal with facilities, getting the stock. That gets to be a little bit cumbersome for some of the smaller shows, but that is traditionally part of the sport. But most of the time what you'll see in the States would be the dressage, the ease of handling, and the speed. I love that. And what do they do with the cattle? If they do have a cattle phase, what do they do? They do. Basically, it, it, what it would remind me of as an, as an American watching it, it reminds me similar to team penning. Um, they don't necessarily put the cattle in a three-sided pen, but it's a team of three. And they are basically working to move the cattle from a denoted area of the arena and they have to select numbered cattle. So let's say they, they have number 13. So they need to find all the cattle marked 13, kind of like sorting, like I said, team penning, and then be able to move them to the other side without the rest of the cattle coming along. And then once they get the other three to the other side, they need to hold over there too. That's a horribly, horribly elementary way of describing it, but that's how I think about it when I watch it. I haven't participated in it yet just because I haven't had it available. But that's, uh, and, the, and I've gone through the judge's training. I'm not a judge. I've gone through the training and I appreciate all that the judge has to do <laughs> between all these phases, including the cattle. But that's pretty much what it looks like as a spectator. 
And it, you're so right. I think we need to find more sports within our space that are spectator friendly. Because I know my husband, for example, he loves watching Grand Prix jumping. He says it's like watching NASCAR. Every now and then something might go awry. And he likes watching that. I don't like watching it for that reason. That worries me, right? But he thinks it's fun to watch. He's a, he <laughs> no, does that's not why like us hu- Western That's pleasure. why us horse husbands like jumping and not dressage, because there's something that happens. Correct. Ah, yes, and I, I, I can't blame you for that. And what I love about with working equitation is it's so family friendly when you said husband, because we have so many levels available, and I can talk about that a little bit if you'd like me to. And we have such an opening for a family to participate. Let's say we've got, you know, eight-year-old Janie and she's got her, you know, whatever pony um, in the backyard and she wants to dress herself all in pink and ride in her little English attire. Well, she's welcome to. Let's say we have a dressage-oriented mom. Well, what a great cross-training opportunity for her Holsteiner. Uh, And then let's say we've got dad who's on his American quarter horse. No way in heck is he going to put on a pair of breeches. Well, what's really cool about this, especially in the States, is we say you can all come. We have all disciplines available as long as you are dressed within the tradition. So you're appropriate for that tradition. So dad would need to have a, a Western saddle and he'd need to have a corresponding head stall. Uh, you know, we're not going to cross dress. We're not going to put on the dressage double bridle in the Western saddle. That's the only place we kind of go, nah, that's kind of blurry, get a little too much. But we have these opportunities for people say, I'm a cowboy. Okay, well, please just make sure your horse is clean, you know, run a brush through its mane and tail, have on good jeans, Make sure you got your cowboy hat on and there you go. You're ready to compete. The dressage mom, she can be as decked out as she wants to be. What would be appropriate, how she would show in dressage. As long as you stay in the same tack, in the same tradition, you can go through all of the phases representing yourself the way you want to. And I've never seen anything like that. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, it's, it's amazing. The breed diversity And then also seeing the diversity of age of riders, gender of riders, and disciplines. It's it's so spectator-friendly because of that. Um, And the speed round, for the dressage and for the ease of handling, the rider is asked to use no or very little verbal cues. The audience, or I should say the spectators, are asked to also be quiet. We certainly don't want to get the rider penalized for outside help. You know, go left, Bob, go left. Yeah, no, no, you can't do that in the sport either. But we are looking at something that is quiet. We are celebrating their focus. We're celebrating the fine horsemanship. And then you get to speed. And that's where the crowd can hoot and holler and cheer. And that's what makes it spectator friendly where you get the husbands who say, I'm just waiting for speed. That'll be you, Glenn. I'm just waiting for the speed round. <laughs> yeah, speed so and freestyle. We like freestyle, too. Uh, yeah, because there's music, right? Yeah, there's, yes. Correct. <laughs> and they're not all doing the it same pattern from... over and over and over again. I hear you. I've ridden high-level dressage, and I feel the same way. And that's not knocking the training or the years that it takes to get good at that. But 
I come from, you know, the kid, I was a barrel racer. I was an inventor. So I need to know something is coming at some point over the weekend where I can hoot and holler. Exactly. And there's going to maybe be some music. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> so Trisha, you mentioned the different levels. Can you explain them to us? Sure. There are seven levels available. Now they don't have seven levels. La- la- excuse me, seven levels available in Europe. Um, They only have the higher levels, which is really great because they've been doing this for 30 some years. In the States, we're like, hey, how do we make this available to people who we don't know anything about the sport? We'd love to try, but gosh, I can't jump in at the top level quite yet. So we start all the way um, what we call intro. Okay, so there's seven levels. There's intro, and that's going to be comprised of walking and trotting. So let's say we've got a green rider and or a green horse, or maybe we have a really experienced rider who's never horse showed before and he or she are just like, ah, that's really intimidating. We have set that up in such a way that they come in, they get to do their dressage test, they get to do the ease of handling, and they get to call it good for the weekend. So there's no pressure to go fast. There's no worry. We make it really yummy, and it's a great place for people to start. And right now in our country, again, because we're fairly new to this, we are seeing probably in an average show, I could be wrong about this, but my observation would be probably 50% of the entries are at the intro level. So it's working, right? We're getting people to stick their little toes in the pool. It's fabulous. And then it progresses on up through a novice A, a novice B intermediate A, intermediate B, advanced, and then finally masters. And so without going through detail on each one of those levels, the difference between intro being walk trot and a rider can choose to ride with two hands or one hand. When we move ourselves all up the scale to the master's level, we are talking about everything being performed one-handed and also we're incorporating a more complex dressage test That's where you start to see freestyles with music. That's where we see them doing all their flying lead changes and so on and so forth. And so for them, and and I will back up, everything from intro above, so from novice A above, then comprises of three of those phases. So we've got the dressage, the ease of handling, and the speed. And then again, cattle is optional when it's available. So, but the first, getting your toes wet, It's just two phases. And so it's very attractive to people that say, let me learn about this. I want to bring, well, for example, I've got these lovely ladies all around the country that are in there because they say their age. I'm not into, I don't care how old anybody is, but they'll say 65 to 75 year old ladies on a halflinger, for example, who get in there and they just discover that all their trail riding experience, for example, comes into great being an asset for them. Their horse knows how to move over. Their horse knows how to stand still. I mean, these are basic things that we're looking for, but the sport gives us an opportunity to not only start somewhere that's very attractive and not stressful, but it gives us almost an endless place to advance because the master's riders, watching them go around, um, it pretty much leaves me with my jaw on the ground. <laughs> it's pretty impressive stuff. So I love all those levels. So Tricia, as an instructor, what do you require your students and horses to know before they start the showing process? Really basic. The first thing that we work on is understanding the rules. 
that is just something that is super important to me um, because it does hearken from several equestrian sports that we're familiar with, but yet there are some nuances in there that I want to first start make sure that people, we understand the rules. So they're not surprised. I don't want to get disqualified for nothing. So if that's the first part from a riding standpoint and also from the horse standpoint, it's pretty basic to tell you the truth. I'm looking for a stop, start, steer, and I'm looking for a clean delineation between the gates. So I, I really need to see a walk as a walk and a trot then looks like a trot. And let me also say as a side note, this is the only sport I have ever seen where gated horses and mules are also completely welcome. So a gated horse can compete against a non-gated horse. And as a judge, judges are then trained to see that variation, that there still is a clean um, delineation between those gates, you know, between the walk and, you know, they, every gated person calls that next speed, you know, they're trot something different, but they're also judged the same way. So for my students, steer, start, stop, and clean delineation between the gates and know the rules. And that's it. And then you get started. And then, of course, we smooth those things out, right? We get a little bit more accurate. We get a little bit more pretty about how we picked up this this trot or a little bit more secure in our halt and those sorts of things. But that's all they need to start. I think it sounds wonderful. And we're so excited to have a judge on soon and also somebody that works for the association. So in the meantime, though, Tricia, how can folks find you and find out more about you? I know, of course, you're on chainstructors.com because you're one of our certified staff. But um, how else can folks find you? Absolutely. I My biggest conduit for the public would be through Facebook. So it's Tricia Reed Equestrian. And love to answer questions. I do clinics all over the country, all and even as far as up into Alaska, all over the state and whatnot. And I have just made it be my mission to kind of be the on-the-street ambassador for this sport. Because most people have never heard of it. And once they start to hear of it, oh my gosh, I, I have people that are rainers, people that are cow horse people, people that are trail riders, people that are dressage riders, on and on and on and on, that they suddenly realize that this is available, it's obtainable, and it's fun. Well, and for those of you listening, Trisha is going to be at our international conference in October, more than likely, at Texas um, A&M University doing this exact topic with Doreen, who's going to be one of our guests coming up soon. And we're just going to be so excited to have them there to share this with all of our CHA folks and all of you that come to that event. So, Trisha, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. You're so welcome. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Trisha. I hope the snow melts soon. Me too. (laughs) See you later. All right. Bye-bye. Well, we're going to take, wow, she was a great guest. Um, she was she did a lot of energy, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. and she just really knew the stuff energy. and made it easy to understand. Yes. Well, let's go to our next guest. We're going to switch gears a little bit, aren't we? Yeah, so um, Doreen Atkinson is from West Texas. She's actually a senior judge for this sport. So she's going to look at it from a judge's perspective. Um, she's competed at the master's level. That really high level that Trisha was saying, her jaw just drops. She's earned her platinum medal, the only one in the United States. 
and she does clinics and judging all over the U.S. and Canada for the sport. She's a CHA certified instructor, very proud to have her as that, and she works at McClellan Community College at Highlander Ranch in Waco, Texas. So we're thrilled to have Doreen on today as well. All right, we're <clears throat> waiting for her to pick up. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning, Doreen. This is Christy Landwehr and Glenn calling from Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning. How are you today? How are you? Oh, not bad. How about yourself? We're doing okay. Could you explain to our listeners today where exactly in Texas you're located? I'm north of Waco, slightly north of Waco. Um, west is the town. And so we're basically an hour and a half south of Dallas-Fort Worth and about an hour and a half north of Austin, hey, just from Texas. Doreen, I just want to ask you, are you talking directly into your phone, not on a Bluetooth or a speaker? I am. It's terrible reception out here. Do you need me to <laughs> change something? No, no. Okay. Just location. No, that, I think you're good. Uh, just hang out where you are. Just that'll be good. Okay. Okay. Thank so, Doreen, we just finished talking to Trisha, and um, we're just uh -huh. so excited to have you on the show today to tell us a little bit more about working equitation. But before we dive in with you as a judge and everything else you've done within the sport, could you tell us a little bit about your horse background? Well, I've had a love for horses since I was a little girl and have really just been a, playing with horses from, you know, at senior in high school, about the time I've got my first horse. I grew up in Waco, and then I went to Texas A&M University to get my degree in biomedical science to become a veterinarian, but uh, horses were really my first love, so uh, I did not go to vet school, but uh, I did finish and get my degree and, and get out in the workforce where I worked with small animals and exotics, <clears throat> where I raised several lions, hyenas, and jaguars, etc., but my horses have always been my first love. I, I, I ended up marrying a veterinarian and then uh, raising my children in uh, Texas. And in the meantime, I was playing with my horses, like learning all I could and trail riding. I competed in competitive trail and for many, many, many miles and won my national champion and regional champions in competitive trail and then started studying dressage where I could improve my horse and, and myself for those many miles. And then I ended up just staying with the dressage studies of, of the horses and, and how it affects and, and improves the horses. And, and so with the many breeds of horses that I've owned, that's just how I started training with the dressage and competing in it. And uh, my, right now, you know, with all the breeds of horses I've worked with, my breed of choice right now is the Lusitano. And that's what I have at this moment is a half Lusitano and a, a young Lusitano that I'm playing with. And in that, I, would, I earned my regional national champions, my U.S. high points and Horse of the Year awards and earned my bronze medal and silver medal in dressage. So it's just been a love <laughs> ever since I, I can remember. I think that's wonderful. But I want to know, how did you first get involved in working equitation? How did you discover that sport and get involved in that? Well, I was at a, a national championship at the Andalusian Nationals in Fort Worth, Texas. And as I was entering, I found a, an extra class that I could enter. And it says working equitation. I said, well, what's that? I looked it up. 
And I said, well, that looks kind of like fun. Not that I could do it, but let me try it anyway. <laughs> and with all the three phases that it offered, it was just in- intriguing to me because that's kind of basically what I've been doing. It offers the dressage phase, and which I have been working on. My horse actually won the national championship dressage that year. I found the a clinic was being uh, offered at this nationals. Uh, so I said, well, let's just have fun. We had some time off. So we took our horse through the obstacle course with the clinician. And now this was really fun. So then I entered the class and the trail class in the arena. And to me, it just kind of fit because that's what I had been doing out on the trail. Miles and miles of trail was opening gates and crossing rivers and over bridges and, you know, avoid the trees on the trail, et cetera, chasing cows in our our land. And I said, well, this kind of encompasses everything I, I enjoy doing in a actual sport. So I um, entered and, and then I was hooked and started studying more and more of the sport. And, and uh, luckily, Haras, uh down in Magnolia, Texas, a big Lusitana farm, the owner there was very in love with the sport as well and brought the sport to his ranch. And with the help of Julie and, and several other people, they brought working equitation seminars down to Haras where they introduced us to the international judges of working equitation. And they would conduct seminars on what the, what is expected of the sport and how to judge the sport. And actually they were looking for, judges to uh, go ahead and, and introduce into the sport and, and recognize them. And, and a couple of us earned our, our judge's license at the seminar. I had already gone through the USDFL program. And <clears throat> so it, it just kind of fell easily for me to find how to judge that. And ever since then, along with the USDF and Western Dressage Judging Seminars, I've gone to, I keep uh, attending these seminars, and they usually are conducted by what's called the Wallway Judges, World Association of Work and Equitation, the top judges of the international. So I have learned and studied under them, and so right now I still judge and compete uh, in the working act when I can find it. I've gone all over the country judging, and uh, I have my master's horse that I have uh, competed, and he's won the year uh, top horse of the year in Masters in the United States. Uh, I earned my platinum medal, and that's the highest medal you can earn in working equitation. Also, can be qualified to compete internationally, but uh, you have to have. It's very complicated. The, the country has to be recognized by Wallway to send a rider to international. But if we had been my horse and I qualified to compete international and work in equitation, so I am also an S judge. So you'll go up the ranks of judges, and I have earned my S judge uh, license. There's only five of us in the United States. Wow, Doreen, you have really just jumped right in with both feet to this. Um, For those that are listening (laughs) that want to maybe pursue the judging side of this, what are steps for them to start doing something like that? Well, you want to go to the website. Uh, There's several, there's two organizations, WeUnited.com and Confederation for the Horse, uh, I mean, for Working Equitation as well. And both of them have a protocol. I'm actually working on the LOC, the License Officials Committee where we are trying to uh, combine the two LOCs requirements so the judges 
can do the same requirements for each organization. So, and if you go on the website, mainly it's following the, the protocol, starting with the L license, the learner's license, where you go to the seminars that are provided. And then you would also uh, take the rules test, start shadow judging, volunteering at shows, and then continuing education. Most of the, I find that if a live judge or silent judge, as many shows as they can watching videos, that helps their eye. So if you go on the website, you can sure follow the protocols. It's on the under judges. Both of the websites have a connect a link to that. So how about for somebody that's really excited about going through the levels? How wonderful that you made it all the way to masters and all the way to your platinum medal. How was that yes, journey? What are some thoughts for those that are listening of how to achieve those types of goals? That's a good question. Um, well, it takes a lot of work. This is one thing that I found that um, it sometimes discourages people is how much work it does take. It's not a, it's not easy, but if you go up to the levels of Grand Prix in dressage, it takes a long time to get your horse there. But the the thing I found is that it's not just in an, a dressage arena workout, boring. It, the horse becomes bored. The rider becomes frustrated. You actually apply the obstacles to your dressage training or dressage to the obstacles, whichever way you want to look at it. And the horse becomes more interested. Oh, this is why I have to bend. <laughs> this is why I need to do a flying check. Oh, okay. And then it, it makes the, the um, journey a lot more fun for both horse and rider. If you apply the obstacle training and you put your basics of your dressage into the obstacle. So it's a long, long process. My guy was already, my master's horse was already at fourth level dressage when I started working X. So that helped. I have a young Lusitano that I'm working with right now. He's five, and, and this is the only way I've trained him is in working equitation with the dressage basics, and he's come up the level quickly. So it just shows that if you apply the obstacles with your training to give the horse a little more versatility and agility and reasons, they just love it. I've seen dull, dull dressage horses and and soured horses just take off with your side and then working at and say, yes, this is more fun. <laughs> and the riders, I've heard a lot of riders say, well, I've come out of the dressage world. It just got too strenuous, too tense, tension, the, the camaraderie working at is so much more fun. And it, it is a fun family oriented atmosphere. And so and I, I just think that one should pursue it at least train in it, and then they will enjoy their training a lot more. I do clinics, and I apply the obstacles, and the people just love it. <laughs> Doreen, it, give it, us it, some ideas. Awesome. Give us some ideas about some of the different obstacles. What are some of the different ones? I know Tricia talked about a gate and a bridge, but what are some other mm -hmm. ones that might mm -hmm. come into it? Well, we have the Garocho. It's a it's a uh, 8 to 13-foot bamboo pole or a row doll, which is a real garocha. It's a lot heavier and longer than that. But we use a rod, like a, cur a uh, closet rod that's a, about one, I would say a three-quarter inch round. It makes it a lot lighter, a bamboo pole. And we put that in a, in a barrel. And it is called the bull 
obstacle where you pick up the grocha, you, you ring a uh, spear, a ring off the bull, and then you deposit the pole as well. And that's people's most favorite obstacle, if you will. <clears throat> and that that is where the Portuguese Italians had designed a obstacle of their traditional cattle work and their bullfighting. And so that's why that came in is the bull is put into these obstacles as a traditional uh, part of what the Portuguese like to do. And they do a lot of bullfighting artistically, I guess. And so they put the bull in the uh, obstacle. Um, there are water crossings. There are uh, very footing crossings. We have a serpentine. We call it the slalom, kind of like the pole bending. But it's we, we judge it technically. It's not in the speed phase. It's more like the pole pole bending. But to judge it in ease of handling, it's more technical. And also a double slalom, which is a very very tight serpentine. We have barrels. Um, and then we also have switch cup. We have a jump and some side pass. So there's 20 obstacles that we have that we can choose from to put in our course. Very exciting. And that, that um, table can be found in uh, the rule book. Well, Darbeen, we're so excited because we know that you and Trish are going to come to our Texas A&M course that's your alma mater um conference in october and that you guys are going to bring some of these obstacles and be able to show them to us so we are just thrilled that you guys are going to do that oh you are going to bring that that's the wonderful yes i am bringing the bull and i hope to bring my master horse to i believe we were going to demo it and uh, also show it as they as i demo they can practice it as well Perfect. Yeah, so, then people get a chance to ride it, fun. and then you can demo it on your platinum horse. That's so oh, cool. Yes, yes ma'am. <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to that. Cool. That'll okay. be so good. Well, Doreen, oh. I know that people can find you, of course, on chainstructors.com because you're one of our folks, which we're thrilled to have you. What are some yes, other ma'am. ways that folks can find you and learn more about you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't have a website. Um, I do work at uh, Highlander Ranch in Waco. Uh, that's the CHA-approved uh, facility, too, by the way. And um, I, my email is probably the best way to contact me, uh, but I don't have any connection of my own website. So Facebook or, or I don't do a lot of marketing <laughs> anywhere like that, but uh, I can be reached off the, probably the websites of the We United or my email. So, well, that is just wonderful. <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to add today about uh, working equitation or anything else before we move on to Julie, who's also going to come on our show today? Oh, yes. Yes. She's, she's full of good information. Um, I just encourage that people would at least try it. And we're starting to see it in the last year to really blossom through Canada, down to Mexico, et cetera, across the international. Um, it's a fun sport. It, it's very, it's com- the camaraderie. The thing that I love about it is that riders of Western and English and trail and cow horse, gated horses are all welcomed. And they're tacking a tire. It doesn't matter. You, you, as long as you match, we accept all breeds, all riders. 
and it's a challenge for everyone. And even children were doing lead lines and and classes for the young ones too, which we hope to attract more and more to that. It's becoming the sport of of uh, fun, and, and people are kind of excited about that. And come watch. We would use volunteers at a show, and that's where you learn a lot. And just just check us out. Well, Doreen, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. I can't wait to see you in October. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Doreen. Thank thank you. Bye-bye. It's an exciting sport. I tell you, they're... uh, Put my Appaloosa in it. I I, I like the fact that it's all-inclusive. Yes, me too. Maybe even a hackney pony. I think the hackney pony could do it. (laughs) In a cart? Do they allow carts? I don't know. Maybe you could do it in hand. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, that would be better. Although, you know, (laughs) he's a hackney pony in hand is not great either. That'd be fun. You would be the spectator sport entertainment. I would. Yes. As I'm flying him around the arena, that would be great. That's right. We would not be bored watching you. No, that's right. All right. Let's go to Julie, who's like the big boss. That's right. So now we've got Julie Alonzo. She's current president of Western, sorry, Working Equitation United. She's been actively involved in the sport since it was first introduced to the United States in 2012. She currently competes at the intermediate A level in the sport. All right. We're giving her a ring right now. I I didn't know anything about Working Equitation, so this is all very enlightening to me. It's exciting. Hello. Hi, Julie. This is Christy Landwehr and Glenn on Horses in the Morning. Super. Good to hear you. Yes, you as well. Can you let us know where you're, um, where we're calling you today? Where are you located? I'm in Eugene, Oregon. Oh, oh that's a lovely area. It is. Yes. So how is your weather today? How's it all going? Beautiful, bright, clear, sunny skies. A light frost on the grass. Can't complain. Well, very good. Well, so far today on the show, we've had Trisha come on and talk about working equitation in regards to the levels and the different, um, the four different types of classes that take place. And then we've had Doreen come on from a judge's perspective. And of course, with her master's horse and her platinum medal, which was great fun to chat with her. And so now we would love to know a little bit about your background in horses in general and how you first got started in working equitation. Absolutely. So I was president of the International Andalusian Lusitano Horse Association for about seven years. And while president of that organization, the United States Equestrian Federation asked us to bring uh, the rules for working equitation into the USEF rulebook through our breed discipline. Uh, So similar to what the Morgans did for Western dressage. They thought if we brought it through a breed discipline first, we could work out the kinks before it went more widespread. So I was involved with that starting in about 2010 and eventually got the rules into the USEF rulebook for a time before Working X um, branched out on its own as its own unique discipline with its own unique organizations. Um, started competing in 2012 and just haven't looked back. Been I love very that. involved with the organizations, yes. So how did you all get together and get the association started? Is it a 501c3 nonprofit? Is it a membership organization? How does all that work? It is a 501c3 nonprofit. It's called We United. And it's actually one of a couple organizations that have 
uh, existed for the sport here in the U.S. over the years. But it's the the one currently that is the largest. We've got just under 600 members currently. Ended out last year right around 800. And it's on an annual renewal cycle. So people renew as events start to happen in their areas. Uh, We've been experiencing about 150 new people participating in the sport every year across the country. And it's in various places in the U.S. It's most prevalent currently in the western part of the country with along the coast, Oregon, Washington, California, but uh, our region five, which is the northwest, sorry, the Pacific, ah, try again, the Midwest, the Northern Great Plains area and the Great Lakes area starting to boom too. So that's uh, Illinois, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin starting to really take off there. It was pretty big in Texas for a little while. They've had a bit of a slump more recently, but uh, it's going there. And then Florida is getting some stuff going, and there's some coast, uh, some competitions all up and down the East Coast also, Virginia and other areas, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Maryland. So starting to pop up everywhere. Very good. And are you a volunteer president? Yes. Our entire 501c3 is run by volunteers, so we are elected to office. Um, I'm the founder of We United, and this is my second time in the, the president's seat. So the presidency is a, it's a three-year rotation. You begin, like Trisha is currently, as president-elect. Then you rotate into the seat of president for one year, and then you rotate into the seat of past president for one year. So that we have three people elected, basically, to serve in that leadership role of president, and we just work together to make sure there's continuity. And then regional directors are elected to two-year seats. And treasurer, secretary, et cetera, are also elected by the members. And what are some of your duties as president? What are some of the goals that you're trying to see strategically for We United? My biggest goal is education, getting uh, more events out there for people, letting people know more about the sport, helping to promote it across regions and across disciplines, making sure we provide a really supportive, positive horse community and that is the, the community and the, the feel we want to develop with the sport. So that's one of my main missions is to make sure that people are well-educated. I'm a, a professor by trade. I work at the University of Oregon. So that's what I do for my real life. And I was a high school teacher for many, many years. So I think education is just kind of in my blood. And my goal with this sport is to make sure that we create a community where everyone is supported, where people know where their gaps are, and they have the knowledge base to begin to fill those gaps and improve their partnership with their horses. So what do you see happening in the future with this sport? Where do you see it going? What do you see happening with it? I think it's just going to continue to grow. I mean, it's a sport that's because it's so accessible to so many people. And you can start with the walk trot level at introductory where anybody with any horse Uh, as long as it's four years old or older, can begin to compete. And competition is not cutthroat. It's much more about personal growth and the growth of that partnership. I think that's one of our biggest points that pull people in is just feeling like they have a, a place to belong and it's not too overwhelming. All the way up to the highest level of competition where you're doing basically the same as like a Grand Prix dressage test where you're doing flying lead changes and amazing canter pirouettes and fancy stuff like that, all one-handed, regardless of whether you're using a dressage and double bridle or riding in a bitless bridle. So whatever you might be doing, you're, you're still expected to rise to that high expectations of performance. 
And I think for that reason, it's also intriguing to the folks who are really good and well-established professionals. We have a lot of people who come into the sport from dressage and eventing who maybe are looking for just something else. So the eventers might be tired of those great big jumps and thinking, you know what? I've seen one too many news reports about someone losing their life, uh, the horse or the human over those huge jumps. I love the sport, but mm, maybe not so much anymore. And they see the adrenaline rush in the speed round in working equitation and the strategy that's involved in planning your course for ease of handling. And that's intriguing to them. The dressage riders who want a purpose to their circles, the sport brings them in because suddenly their horse and, and the human both can see, oh, here's why we're doing all these circles. And here's where it translates into actually being able to have a, a functional riding partnership as they do different maneuvers. And your backyard rider who just has fun with their horse. It's that fun community. It's to give them a goal to strive for and just markers along the way for how to get better. So, so I what, see that in the future also, just continuing to grow. So what breed do you currently ride on? So I raise Andalusians. So I, I, my current competition horse is a horse that I bred. She is a, a pure Spanish Andalusian. She is 11 years old this year. A wonderful mare. You realize every girl in the audience right now is drooling, right? Uh, and hating you. <laughs> They're just hating you right now. I know. Between you and yeah. your Andalusians yeah, exactly. and Doreen and our Lusitanos. I know. We've got oh Andalusians and Lusitanos. They're all going, ah! <laughs> it's all that pretty name. darn cool. Horses. All the hair play. I know. Although, with the mares, if you're doing traditional, you cut all the mane off. So my horse has this beautiful arched, roached neck. Oh, I did so not no know that. There. Yeah. Wow. All the things I'm learning today. That's cool. But I also do compete on a quarter horse on occasion. So I have a, my brother-in-law has his quarter horse gelding that I borrow now and then. And I'm bringing along a mule to bring into the sport as well. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me, what do you do at intermediate A level? What are the different obstacles and different things you have to do in the dressage pattern and ease of handling? What does that look like? So at the intermediate A level, uh, the main difference between that and some of the higher levels is your lead changes are a simple change through the walk. So you're cantering, you bring it down to a walk with no trot steps, you then start cantering again on the other lead. And that's both in the dressage test, whenever you have a lead change, as well as in ease of handling. There are many, many lead changes. There is uh, some a leg yield at trot, and there's some beginning uh, half-pass work as you're beginning to, to do that, but that's just at walk. And there's a turn on the haunches, which is a dressage turn on the haunches, like a slightly larger walk pirouette, uh, not like a pivot in Western disciplines. The hind legs keep moving as the horse is making its, its circuit around. So those are your dressage maneuvers. And in ease of handling, you will put those to good effect in that whenever you're doing a lead change on an obstacle, you're doing it where you're coming down to a walk. Any trot steps are penalized in your score, and then you pick up the new canter lead on the, you know, directly from the, the walk as well. Uh, the main difference is only one other obstacle that switches up for the first time at the intermediate level, and that is an obstacle called rounding several posts. And that's one where you go into a series of six poles set up into a little corridor, three on each side. You enter at a canter, you halt at the end, you pick up a cup that's placed upside down on the end poles, and then you weave backwards around the center post. So you weave out of the corridor and then back into the corridor and then halt, 
place the cup over the pole at the entry end of the corridor, then finish exiting the corridor, and then canter on. So the intermediate A is the first level where you do that reverse slalom through the corridor. Other than that, you're just doing a, a straight back up. So that's pretty that's cool. That so you have to yeah. back up while weaving. Correct. Love it. Correct. Love it. So, and, so and many course, different one things. One hand on the reins. Yeah, one hand on the reins there because you have the cup in your other hand. So Correct. It's all about using your legs and body to guide the horse. Well, seat, legs, hands, that order, right? That's good you writing. So, that makes really good sense. So, please give us the website for We United and tell people how they can navigate once they get there to find all the different um, competitions that might be near them, maybe instructors or barns that are teaching it. How do they navigate your website and what is it to find things? Absolutely. So, the website can be reached at www.weunited, that's just W-E, united, like the states, dot U-S, We United Us. And that website, you'll, it's a wealth of information. So you go to the homepage, you'll see a lot of information about the sport. It describes the different phases that Tricia was talking about. You can click on a page that takes you to all of the obstacles. They're each described in detail with photos and some have videos as well. Describes uh, what's expected from the judge techniques, all of those things there. So lots of information through that website. The events page, so you click on a link that says events. And that takes you to our events calendar where you'll find clinics and competitions, seminars, all sorts of activities all across the country that are listed. Each one is listed starting with the two-digit, uh, two-letter state abbreviation. So something happening in Georgia would be GA and then the colon and then the city name where it's taking place as well as the event description. You click on it and it opens up and tells you more about what it is and the contact name for the organizer. On our rules and dressage test link, you will have uh, access to a free downloadable PDF that describes the sport in detail, gives you the explanations for how to do it, what the judges are looking for. All the dressage tests are right there. And again, that's all downloadable free of charge on the rules and dressage tests link. And instructors, we generally recommend people would seek out a judge if they wanted to host a clinic. And so all of our judges and technical delegates and their contact information are listed on our judges link for our officials. And the website has a bunch of other pieces of information too, things on our awards programs that have over 29 different breeds of being recognized. And I believe maybe some certified horsemen's association kind of people recognition later on may be happening here uh, so that we can recognize different folks who are doing great things in the sport. Yes, we're excited about that. We're also excited to have both Trisha and Doreen come and do a talk at our international conference at Texas A&M University over Halloween weekend in October. We're excited about that. Um, they're going to bring some obstacles down and show us some things. And I think Doreen will even bring down her master's horse. So looking forward to all of that. So Julie, is there anything that you want to share as we are ending our um, show today about the sport or about the association? My biggest thing would just be to encourage people to give it a try. It really is a welcoming community. People are really supportive. We love to bring new folks in to show them the ropes and to help them succeed. All horses, all mules, all donkeys, all people of all shapes and sizes are welcome and encouraged to participate. There's room for everyone. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I have learned so much more about the sport, and it's just been a pleasure to have you. Well, thanks very much for inviting me.
So we have a sport in the horse world that is all inviting to everything. We do. That's unusual. <laughs> and that's why it makes me so happy because certified horsemanship is all breed, all discipline too. Yeah, yeah. No, this is great. It's a happy partnership. It's kumbaya. And Yay. it's growing. And apparently you don't have to have just Lusitanos and, and illusions too. No, though so. it sounds like there's definitely an affinity for them within the sport. But no, you do not have to. You can have anything. That's good because not too many people do. So, <laughs> Although everybody would like to. There's that. Well, uh, this has been a good show. Thanks, Christy, for putting this together. Really appreciate it. And uh, everything you wanted to know about working equitation all in one spot. Uh, and remind everybody again where they can go to get your the sessions that you guys are doing. Yes, go to CHA.horse. And not yet, but this time next month, for our show next month, I think we're going to have our new website done and launched. And oh my goodness, we are so excited. And during this time of sequestering within my home and not able to travel like I normally do like a mad woman, we are cranking out that website, Glenn. It is looking good. We are so excited about it and it'll be up and running soon. And you know what's funny is, is, is that sounds like, well, you know, making a new website's not the bit, that big a deal. It's a total pain in the butt. Oh, it <laughs> takes forever. Yeah. Every broken link, you yeah. know, everything has to be perfect before you launch it. Otherwise, you go down in search engine optimization and Google doesn't like you. That's right. That's exactly right. That's true. It's a big deal. And yours has a, a lot deal. of data in it and, and uh, you know, data oh, points in it. Ours has a lot like, of moving parts. <laughs> yes. It's a little painful. But I'll tell you, it's going to be beautiful. There's so many pictures. We're using all these colors. Oh, it's just going to be so great. I can't wait to see it. Yay. Yes. Very good. And then uh, if they want to do the seminars and webinars... Yes, again, go to CHA.horse, click on the education tab. You'll see all the videos that you can see streaming. You can see all of the shorter videos that are free, and then you can see the webinars and get the special um, that we're offering for the foreseeable future. I don't see an end on that. We're going to do that for a while. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Christy. We really appreciate it. Uh, tomorrow, Jamie is hiding out in a cabin in Oklahoma someplace. So uh, uh, Lisa Waisaki is going to be here, and she's going to join me tomorrow. We'll have some great guests for you. And then Thursday is the fox hunting episode. I heard them recording that last night. Sounded like a lot of fun. And then Friday, Jamie's back, and we're going to be doing some really bad ads. So get your ads into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. We have almost $500 in prizes this month we're giving away for Ooh. really bad ads. So that'll put a little bright spot on somebody's otherwise dismal month. Uh, that's right. Winning great prizes. And that's it for today. I hope your voice gets better. Thanks, Glenn. Me too. Starts to improve. <laughs> Next next month, I hope you can talk. Uh, are, are your kids enjoying this? By the way, not you not being able to talk. Yeah, they actually find it entertaining and laugh at I me. I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Be safe, everybody. 